Welcome to the Tablet Podcast. My name is Ruth Gledhill, and with me today is Christopher Lamb, the Tablet's Rome correspondent. He's here to talk about the new letter put out by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which, simply speaking, addresses the subject of euthanasia. But underneath that, it's a lot more complex than that, isn't it, Chris? Well, yes, that's right. The uh, document from the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, which was issued yesterday, focuses on euthanasia and assisted suicide. And it reiterates the church's teaching uh, on that, but does so in a very strong uh, way and it uses very tough language. It describes euthanasia as an act of homicide. Um, It condemns any laws to allow euthanasia and i suppose that's expected from from um the congregation we would the church's position is is well known on on euthanasia it also though argues uh, says that uh, those who have decided to end their own lives uh, should not uh, receive the sacraments um, including confessional anointing of the sick so it's taking a very hard line on on this issue This doesn't seem really in keeping with the language used by Pope Francis when he talks about mercy and compassion. I I think that's right. The tone of the document doesn't seem in in, in keeping with the Francis papacy. Now, look, of course, Francis has not changed any doctrine. He's been very tough on all the the moral questions on abortion. Um, He's he's in line with with the church on that. But I think what this document um, shows is it's not so much what it says, but what it doesn't say. And although we have that prohibition on the sacraments being given to um, someone who's decided to end their own life, and of course we can understand the justification theologically for that, what the document doesn't say is what can be done, how um, ministers can respond pastorally to someone who maybe is in a, in a state of psychological turmoil and has decided to, to request that their life be ended. We don't get the kind of pastoral roadmap that we would expect from um, Pope Francis in regards to this subject. We get the no, which is understandable. We don't get um, the, 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 the response in terms of the lived reality that many in the church are experiencing with regards to euthanasia and assisted suicide, which is not going away. Many more countries are legislating for this. It's a, something the church will oppose, um, but it also is something the church is going to have to respond to in a way that is discerning and also recognising that it can't. the church's response can't just be a no. And, and that's what Pope Francis said at the very beginning of his papacy, that the church can't just present a set of disjointed doctrines it has to present a more positive vision intrinsically evil um it calls it and this is language very extreme language that's been used uh, about a, a very small number of things in the past um and it's when the church really wants to make a point and to put its foot down and say no we're not going to have this but does it work has it worked in the past well uh, i don't think it's worked in terms of actually changing laws or necessarily changing hearts and minds and i think that's something that that pope francis realizes now of course the church has got to take a stance and it no one's expecting the, the vatican or, or any catholic to support euthanasia but there is a need to 
deal with the reality that euthanasia is coming in many places and, and what is the church going to do about that? And that's what this document doesn't address. I think what this document also shows is that the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which is, of course, the oldest Vatican department and was once responsible for the Holy Office of the Inquisition, uh, is reasserting itself. And whilst the Pope has successfully, initially in his papacy, reduced the, the power of the congregation, which has, is renowned for its investigations of theologians and setting out the, the red lines of doctrine, He's not reformed its culture. And I think a very good example of that is the uh, case of Father Tony Flannery, the Irish priest, who was recently ordered to sign a document uh, setting out, um, which set out the church's position on the, on the priesthood, homosexuality, sexuality, gender. And he, he was told he, has to, he had to sign this document in order to return to ministry. Now, Father Tony Flannery has been um, in, in, under investigation by the CDF since 2012. He's been suspended from ministry for a long period of time. Um, but this process by the CDF of investigating Tony Fannery and this document that they asked him to sign, which he's refused to sign uh, for many reasons, but this way of approaching this issue again has set off alarm bells that the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith has not reformed its processes, is still operating under an old model. And I think there are some big questions about the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, particularly what is it for in the 21st century? What does it exist to do? Yes, so the, I mean, reading, uh, looking at this document um, reminds me very much of documents from previous papacies produced by this congregation. And it is as though it hasn't changed really at all. And I guess many in the congregation might say, um, we don't need to change. We're fine as we are. Do, what, do you think change is necessary? And if so, how could it change? Well, it's interesting your point about documents see, seemingly harking back to the past. I, I looked at the footnotes um, for the document and, and a third, at least a third, came from uh, the papacy of John Paul II, and so I think it is a document that does seem to go back in many ways. I think that the Pope would like to reform the CDF um, and a proposed um, constitution for the Roman Curia, which has not yet been implemented, but the proposal is for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith to take a lower place in order of precedence within the Vatican and for the, for the highest um, precedence to be given to a department for evangelization and mission. So I think the CDF has to see um, its role within the mission and the uh, evangelization uh, of the church rather than see itself as simply policing uh, priests and theologians. And I think that's what part of this reform uh, should be. Um, but although Francis and as I said earlier on, he, he reduced the power and influence of the CDF. And he did that by uh, saying that if you get a, an, a letter from the CDF, he told a group of religious this, if you get a letter from the CDF, just answer it and move on. Um, he reduced the, the influence of the CDF in, in, by saying that. And in many ways, the investigations, which we saw a lot of in previous pontificates, have stopped. Um, the culture still seems 
be very much the same. And I think there is a need, if the church is to be outward-looking, to be evangelising, to be missionary, that the CDF perhaps looks at how it can create a deeper understanding of what church doctrine is, rather than simply issuing uh, documents that say no, 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 and disciplining priests. And we see recently uh, telling the German bishops who were looking at proposals to uh, share the Eucharist with other other Christian denominations more more broadly, um, telling them no, uh, we're worried about this. There has to be a more, I could say, a more positive vision for the for the CDF than than what is currently on display. Can we assume that as Pope Francis saw and approved this document? It, yes, that's what. Uh, is, was was reported um, in the document itself that the Pope was presented with it and ordered its release. Um, now, of course, this was a document written and produced by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, not necessarily uh, by Pope Francis. Uh, we don't know what revision Francis might have ordered for it. Discussion went on. The Pope, though, is is not going to simply say, no, you can't publish this. Um, he is. He has to. He has to work within the system to a certain extent. And I suppose for Catholics who want to see reform in the church, it can't just be about the Pope. It can't just be what the Pope does. There has to be a, a more of a collective. Um, on the Tony Flannery case, it seems as if the Pope altered um, in terms of the uh, the document that. Father Flannery was, was ordered to sign if he wanted to return to ministry. It appears that the Pope was not involved in that uh, process. So uh, the work of the CGF seems to be going on oversight of the Pope. Interesting because the CGF doesn't exist for itself. It exists to serve the Pope. It was for uh, the Holy Father. And I mean, one potential reform that the Pope could bring in is to actually not have a prefect of the Congregation for Doctrine of the Faith. The current prefect is Cardinal Ladaria, who is uh, uh, certainly someone who, who is more loyal to the Pope than pre previous prefects. But the current prefect is Cardinal Ladaria. He's 76. He's past retirement age. Um, when he goes, perhaps the Pope will not appoint a prefect and will just have someone to carry out uh, what he would like to see the, the, the Doctrine Congregation do. And it do, was like, that, to it do. Was like and, that before once, wasn't it? Exactly, it was. In, in, in years gone by, um, it was the Pope who effectively ran the doctrine office. Um, it was only more recently, I'm talking the last 50 or so years, that the uh, congregation had a prefect. So perhaps the Pope could reform by going back to tradition in that one. Well, we'll watch and wait with interest. Thank you very much, Chris, for um, helping us understand what's going on a little bit more. Thank you very much.